Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jamie Star Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. So my guest today is an actress and an author. She is known for her work as the character Sad Girl in the cult classic film Me, Vida Loca. And she has a book out called Too Happy to be Sad Girl. My guest today is Angel Avila. When you were working for big film directors like Quentin Tarantino and all those big names, did you feel a lot of pressure to do pretty much more than good because of how impressive these people's resumes and how successful their films were and stuff like that? Well, the irony of being, um, you know, in film at that time is that they weren't big stars then. This was at the beginning of independent films rise and it just so happens that we were at a time in the 90s where there was just so much wonderful film so much talent out there happening so many people wanting to give different perspectives so i was impressed by quentin's work of course and who wasn't right yeah um reservoir dogs had just come out um and allison had done gas food lodging um Robert Rodriguez had just done um El Mariachi so I got to work with George Hickenlooper also so for any real film buffs they they love him as well mm-hmm. this was a burgeoning time for those people we were all kind of like just in this really wonderful creative bullia base of talent and new ways of thinking and doing yeah how did it feel as an actor to get your big break? Ah, so big break. It's funny because I guess that that all also ties into perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like obviously to many people, Mi Vida Loca would be the big break, right? Mm-hmm. It was a leading role in a movie that became a cult classic. However, I think the operative word is became. Mi Vida Loca was was created as an art house film. And so how I felt at that time was, of course, as an artist, first and foremost, that was, I was doing something incredible. I knew that this film was different from the moment I read the script. Right. I knew that the, the director, the producers, I knew that everything on the script was incredibly special. Um, the cast, which included actors and also included original locas from the neighborhood mm-hmm. i knew that there was something special happening so to be a part of that film was something spectacular it remains one of the highlights of not only my career but honestly my life because i, I really got to see art being created and i i've since then in 30 years um witnessed how powerful art can be in, oh, yeah. in the lives of so many Oh, I I agree 100%. Do you miss anything about acting at all? Um, You know, I find myself acting every day. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I do for a living now is I teach people how to act. You know, like how to just, you know, I think a lot of people think that acting is being fake, but it's actually tapping into a truth that most people are afraid to go to. Yes. And so that's what I teach people every day on a daily basis. And and I'm constantly using that to kind of really tune into my own well-being. Yes. So in terms of creativity, um, I miss the camaraderie. 
I would say, because there's something magical that happens on a film. You go away, you become a family with people for six, eight weeks, five months, whatever it is that you're you're gone for. You make these super tight bonds and then, you know, everything disappears. So those moments were extremely intense and fun. And there's something about that that's really special. It is not mimicked in anything else that I know of. Um, I haven't done that much uh, you know, I, I'm sure you, there's other careers that afford you that kind of bond, but um, th- there there was definitely that that special aspect that I do miss. Oh yeah. How did acting, or how has your experience working in like films and things like that? How has it helped when it came to being a motivational speaker? Well, I think I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier in the last question. Um, I think one of the interesting things I think people think or would assume is that it makes it easier to speak publicly. And I don't, I didn't find that. I mean, I guess in terms of dictation and projection, yes. Yeah. But in terms of presentation as Angel, that never, I, I actually had to do a lot of internal work for that to, you know, for me to be able to go on stage right. and present myself. Mm-hmm. As an actor, presenting a character was far more comfortable. Yeah. Totally. What's the coolest part about motivational speaking to you? What do you think is the coolest part about it? Um, well, it's interesting because I think that I like to consider myself a transformational speaker. Uh, most of what I do... I have like a combination of keynote speaking slash workshop. I like to to have people get up and interact with one another, with me, um, and with themselves. Yeah. To get up and take action. So I think that that's been the best. And and really, it's it's a zone. I feel like I did get that when I was acting. You know, you go into this zone where you're just in this teaching moment. It feels spiritual and and it feels magical and it feels you know like you're just doing what you're supposed to do and ultimately at the end uh transformations that's that's the best reward Mm -hmm. is that someone's experienced something that maybe they might not have gotten to as soon as they had yeah have you always wanted to work in the storytelling sort of industry as an author? Like, was a, writing a book always on your horizon? Like, did you always see yourself maybe writing a book in the future, like, back, like, 20 years ago or as a kid or anything like that? So it's interesting. That's a great question because I always thought of myself as a storyteller. I think most people who talk to me, who talk, well, you know, who you talk to who actually know me will tell you I'm a storyteller. I can turn a a vacation or a trip or even one incident, one small incident at the supermarket into a giant drama. I'm the same way. (laughs) Girl, I'm the same way. I knew I recognized, right? Mm -hmm. So so you have great skin and great storytelling skills. You just like every detail becomes something that's just enlarged in your psyche. Yeah. So I definitely have always been a storyteller. In terms of writing, um, I dibble, I dabbled in writing for for a while. But in writing my book, how my book started was it, it started out as a workbook. 
Yeah. And that workbook was for my clients. Hey, these are some exercises that I do. These are certain things that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, Try these out. Yeah. And I was completely content to leave it like that. Yeah. I took a workshop and it, it gave me this sort of format of how to create chapters and how to sort of do the, the practicals. It's kind mm-hmm. of like you, you might take story and, and know how to write a screenplay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I took this class and I, and I had the idea of format and how I wanted to come out. And then I realized that what was missing was me. There was the vulnerability and the reality of my story and right. what made these exercises really significant. Mm-hmm. What that was going to mean to the people that I knew would be reading this book. Mm-hmm. And how important it would be to actually um, tap into to this, this place that there was a common ground. I think that some of what I talk about in the book... Um, people will think they can't aspire to or that kind of person aspires to that. But I think in really breaking myself down and and just talking my business, putting my business out in the streets, Mm -hmm. um, I think that that made it much more powerful. Are you one like me who takes a really short story and like extends it and makes it long and goes and like goes into like details before getting to the main point and people looking like tell the main point already. Oh, yes. Yes, that has been me many times. Yeah. And again, part of it is because, you know, there's certain components that somehow register in my mind as important. Yeah, that's like me and my parents will look at me and be like, Jamie, tell the main point already. We don't need to know those details. Does that ever happen? Like, you're telling someone a story. They're like, Angel, what's the moral of the story here? Girl, you're like my you're like my kindred spirit. Yes, all the time. I used to get in trouble for talking in school. Me too, kindergarten. Oh yes, and it wouldn't be. It would be like they would try to move me, and then I would get that person in trouble. I took it as a challenge. Like, oh, you must want me to sit next to this person because they're not social. They're not like I'm an habladora. That's like my little yeah. That's what they would call me. So. Um, all the time, I'm always extending it. My kids are like, oh, please. Yeah. So this will be something that you can take with you into the rest of your life, Jamie. So, You're looking at yourself in the future. Before creating your book, did you have any misconceptions about authors? Um, before creating my book, did I have any misconceptions about authors? I have always respected authors. I'm a, I, I love books. I love reading. Um, I had obviously, um, you know, it took me 10 years to write my book. So I had really overthought this process many, many times. Mm-hmm. I guess I underestimated the amount of time that it would take to get to that level of comfort that I could put my truth out there. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest challenge about writing a book? Just that, that, you know, it, it can, a, a book, there's, there's this um, belief system that says stories are spirits that find their hosts. So a story settles on you. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to tell it. 
And I realized that, you know, I, I've been living in this my whole life. These stories had always come to me or I lived these stories. Yeah. And then it was just going to be time to share with the have world. The discipline. Yes. Have the discipline to write it down. But, but really the turning point was not even the discipline to typing out the the most difficult moments were in not opening the door to that reality and not being willing to mm-hmm. open up. Once I became willing, oh, it took months to finish. Yeah, from, the, from editing and everything. Mm-hmm. What's the best part over your creative process of this book before it was released? What was your favorite part about the book process? Recalling. Like, I I was very, very grateful that I have that exact recollection that we were talking about because every moment was embedded in my psyche and so real. Mm -hmm. Even the hard moments, I talk about death, I talk about addiction and trauma. And even recalling those things, I remember crying and feeling the gratitude of the release that I was able to feel. So I'm not, I'm no longer that five-year-old. I'm no longer that 16-year-old. I'm no longer that 21-year-old. Right. I I was able to kind of cry with and for her and recall and then move on. Like, this is what I've evolved into. Totally. That's, that's been, that's been very therapeutic and wonderful. Oh, yeah. Do you want to write any more books? In the future? I am. I am going to write another book. I'm traveling to Mexico this next year and a great deal of what I'm going to be doing besides studying Spanish and eating, uh, a good deal of that time is going to be spent writing my second book. Cool. Okay. What's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure... You know, I have to say, I gave up guilt. I'm 50, and I really don't have time to be guilty about anything. I do everything with purpose and intention and gratitude and joy. And oh. if, I, if I'm if i not there, guilt is not something I naturally reach for. What are some of your pet peeves? My pet peeves. It's not really a pet peeve as much as it's a frustration, a sadness, anger. Of course, I I think that, um, you know, I, I think about women's issues and and how as far advanced as we've come, we're just still treated like second-class second citizens in so many areas. It sucks. So, yes. It That's why sucks. my second season of my podcast, every single person, you're the 85th person I've spoken with, and every single person has been a woman. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're number 85. Wow. wow. Of my second season. So. That's awesome. But yeah, women, yeah. yeah, definitely women's stuff. That's why I made this the- the theme of my season, women. Yes, absolutely. Re- elevating stories and and empowerment. Really, that's that's so much of the drive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm at a certain point in my life where I'm. There's a a lot of life satisfaction, and now reaching back to recognize like where there's injustices where there's silences where where i can use my platform to make a difference yeah so 
it's a, it's a little bit deeper than a pet peeve. Again, and again, along with the like, no guilt. I'm not necessarily um, bothered by little things, but the big things get me. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first paying job ever? My first paying job ever was the Nutcracker Ballet. Ooh, fancy. I was a soldier. I was a tin soldier and I got paid a dollar per performance. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, it was crazy because it was my first audition. And I remember my mom saying, baby, you might not get it. You know, look at how many kids are here. I just want you to go out there and do your best. Okay. No matter what, I love you. And, you know, she was really like trying to just encourage me. And I was like, okay, I had no concept of what it would be like to yeah. not get it. Um, I just went in there and I, I don't even know what they put to, what the possible audition could have been, but there mm-hmm. I was, my little suit. And I remember that I was like, at that time, my, my doctor had told my mom that I needed to lose weight. So I was like this little chubby little ballerina. And um, maybe they they just gave me this, this chance. It must've been adorable because I got the part and that was my first job. Wow. What is something that always makes you laugh? Babies laughing always makes me laugh. It's adorable. Yes. Those baby belly laughs. Always makes me laugh. Um, Thinking memories of my brothers always make me laugh, like growing up, Mm -hmm. how funny they were. And and my brother, my, my brother who passed away, obviously he was a comedian. He was brilliant and hilarious. He always made me laugh. And my brother, my living brother, who is also a comedian, never fails to make me laugh. Pretty much everything he says makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. What app on your phone is used the most, would you say? Ooh, what app? on my phone is used the most um okay it would have to be my my texting app i i text my i text people every day my kids my man my clients yeah are you more of an audio or visual learner I would have to say visual. Oh, same. I can't I can't learn anything unless you show it to me. Yes. I would have to say visual. If you could visit anywhere in the world, where would you go? If you could go anywhere right now, where would you go? Well, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to Mexico. Um you know, this year since I plan to do a lot of traveling, I am only planning certain aspects of this trip so i know that i'm going to fly into mexico city and i'll be in there for a short amount of time that i know that i'm going to be in the yucatan and i know so i but i have no set directions on my travels mm-hmm. um and so I, at this point i feel like if i could go anywhere in the world obviously we have covid so right there's a, a limitation on that Right. If there were COVID, I feel like I could go wherever the hell I want. Like, yeah. where the wind blows me. Yeah. If I could go anywhere where the wind takes me, I'd go just to have a great time. Mm-hmm. Do you have a big sweet tooth? 
I don't have a sweet tooth, but I have a salty tooth. Ooh. I love pickles, Ooh. chips, salty things. I love salt. Oh, I do like I do like my chips. Pretzels. <sighs> I love pretzels. I love like, soft and- pretzels. When you go to the mall oh. and you get a soft pretzel. Yeah. Oh, you're my sister. Listen to this. In New York, you used to get these hot, soft pretzels. And then you could, they would give you mustard. That's how my dad eats his. Yes. And it would be like hot, salty, soft pretzels. And you would just dip it in mustard. Like my, my mouth is watering. That's how my dad would eat his. He would eat his with no butter, no salt. He would ask, he asks for a plain pretzel and a side of mustard. And that's what he, that's how he eats his soft pretzels. Yes. I'm more of a butter, I'm more of a butter and salt kind of person with no mustard. Oh, I love mustard and the salt. I'll take the salt, too. What has been your favorite age in your life so far? Today. Cool. Like how old I am today. Cool. What is a fun fact that not a lot of people know about you? Oh, my gosh. I just told everybody my business. I wrote a book where everybody knows my business. All right, a fun fact. This is probably the most odd answer you're going to ever get. I've gotten some random answers, so. So I'm going to go for it. Okay, go for it. Fun fact is that I am going through menopause. (laughs) That's a fun fact. It's hilarious. Um, I really am at this point. I I, I really want to encourage women, especially young women, to learn how to celebrate their cycles mm-hmm. what I'm realizing um, at the end of this process is that I went into so many of my cycles hundreds and hundreds of cycles not um, just kind of like not appreciating it and actually hating it and actually being sort of really masculine about it I can't wait till it's over it's inconvenient it's gross it's shameful it can be painful it's all of these things and just recognizing that there's times to lean in. This is a natural process and I wish I would have been so much more loving to my body during this process. So the fun fact is that I'm celebrating menopause now. I love and it. So it's fun for me because I'm at a very I don't give a fuck time of my life and if you make it here all of y'all you're young youngsters if you get here you're gonna be in the serious most i don't give a fuck era of your life and it is fantastic once again i've been speaking with actress and author angel avila i will see you all in my next episode where i'm chatting with hallie stevens from entertainment tonight